Hello and welcome back to Building Better Basketball, the Basketball Australia Coaches Podcast. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach Development Manager at Basketball Australia. Today's guest will be no stranger to all of you, and I'm sure you're wondering why it's taken till now for him to make an appearance. His name is synonymous with Basketball Coach Development in Australia. As the Director of High Performance Coach Development for Basketball Australia, Peter Lonigan is an influential coach educator impacting coach development around the world. He's been Australian Opals Assistant Coach, a highly successful state director of coaching in Victoria and New South Wales, and an international clinician for FIBA. In the last year, I've lost count of the number of clinics Pete's presented at, resources he's produced, the basketball tournaments he's attended, and countries in the world he's graced with his presence. Lono, welcome to Building Better Basketball. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for the, the exaggerated um, introduction. Appreciate it. <laughs> Lono, we'll just this will be a real casual episode where we'll just um throw a few things around. Obviously, um we've started off 2023 highlighting um following your lead of, of highlighting coach wellness month. And um I'll let you kind of describe a little bit about the, the reasons behind that and, and how well it's going. But um I think it's a topic that we've covered across a number of episodes about coaches not only being responsible for their players, but also being conscious of their own well-being while they're doing that. Yeah, well, as we know, you know, by nature, coaches are, are very other, others focused, you know, players and, and making sure that the people they're leading, you know, are, are, are flourishing. And sometimes that can be inadvertently at the expense of their own well-being, um, you know, whether that's um, rest, sleep, uh, nutrition, you know, just uh, work-life balance. So, you know, it's nothing new. And as you said, you've covered it extensively in, in previous episodes. And I think the coaching world is, is a lot more attuned to it. Um, so we sort of started this last year just through Twitter, really, just to see if we can raise some awareness um, around uh, coach wellbeing. Um, this year, um, you know, we've raised nearly $3,000 uh, for Beyond Blue, and we sort of just pick them as as someone who's who's I guess been a long term uh, body in in this space, um, and uh, so we've got people just doing some exercise, engaging in some mindfulness, um, uh, you know, maybe working a little bit less and finding a bit more time for family and and self, and um, you know, it's been it's been fun, um, it's been interaction with a lot of people, and um, it's gone quite well. What what have uh... What have you given up, Lono? What three options, or did you did well, you go scorched earth and give them all up? No, I I, uh, I gave up coffee, which is not a I must admit not a, a great impasse for me. But for those that do know me, I've I've given up um, iced coffee milk, flavored milk, which is a significant impasse. Um, I think it's uh, impacted the shares in in dairy farmers uh, nationally. But so I'm uh, yeah twenty plus days in without that. So. Um, I shouldn't be as proud as I am of it, but I am. <laughs> I went for went for chocolate, which is more of a, a cheap meal option for me sometimes as a little treat. And there's only been a couple of times where I've caught myself, but we'll, we'll make it through to, to Feb 1 together, Lono. Um, we released an infographic as Basketball Australia at the end of 2022, highlighting all the um, stuff that we had done across the various coach development initiatives and 
uh, ranging from Aussie hoops up to the kind of COE high performance coaches getting out there. And in your words, I suppose, as someone that's been um, involved in, in coaching um, in Australia and in basketball for a long time, what, what was your kind of reflections on 2022 as, as a year for basketball coaches in Australia? The first one, when when you sent through that infographic, uh, you know, late last year was was um, pride, not not pride um, in myself or, or you know um, or necessarily you or the work that, that we've collectively done, but just in the coaching cohort and you know it just it just demonstrates the spirit of sharing um, in Australian coaching um, and it, it demonstrates the great clinic culture that's been set down by. Our predecessors, you know, Patrick Hunt and, and Lindsay Gaze and, and people like that, Rex Nottage. Um, and, you know, how just how exciting that there's so many people motivated at all levels of the sport to to improve their knowledge so they can do a better job helping players, because that should be the focus. So with um with what were some of your personal highlights in 2022, Lionel? Because like I said, you obviously you uh you were at the World Cup. You you went to Guam. What were what what was your trip to Guam like? Was it quite as uh, lengthy and arduous as Nick Martin's, or was yours a bit more uh, luxurious? No, no. Um, I travel the same way that the the teams and coaches do, because it's not a great cultural look if I'm sitting up the pointy end of the plane or I'm going on the the faster faster routing, but. Now, Guam's a great place. It's the third time I've been there. I've got a lot of friends there and, and have done some actually coach development with with the Guam Federation. It It's really a, a paradise. And, and as I always say, when people ask about my job, I say, well, I really don't have a real job. I just um, travel around talking to coaches and, and watching games. And the advantage there, you get to talk to coaches, watch games, and then go for a walk along the beach in a tropical paradise. So... I'm not going to pretend that it was a hard slog for for me or anyone else. Because you had New York as well, which was the one that I was uh, very jealous of um, from a from a basketball nuffies perspective. I suppose that's more of the kind of NBA Americanization of the of the sport and the coaching. And on that, you've obviously got a black book that's to be envied in terms of coaching contacts that have come from Australia or have a connection to Australia that you've um, you've really cultivated? Who are, who are some of the people, I guess, that have come through Australian coaching um, in the last year or, or previously that you've kind of been really uh, connected with, I suppose, and, and have helped put back into coach development in the country? Yeah, we're really fortunate um over a long period of time you know we've if you think about the coaching icons that have come through australia over the last 40 plus years to to impact coaching and, and coach development from you know mike shashevsky to to bob knight to um pete newell to lute olsen you know uh, mario blasoni i mean it, it these are the some of the legends of all-time coaching um in, in recent times, we've been really fortunate. Brett Brown, who's obviously got a very strong connection to Australia, spent some time with us uh, here at the Centre of Excellence last year and shared some insights, not only from his coaching, um, 
personally, but obviously being around the, the phenomenal Greg Popovich in the San Antonio Spurs organization. Mike Dunlap is is probably someone with the highest coaching intellect I've ever been around, and he's been really generous with his sharing and, and information. And, and probably the one I lean on the most, and I, I just had WhatsApp um, communication with him this morning about some clinic ideas is Damien Cotter, who is an Australian, but is, of course, at the Chicago Bulls um, and on their coaching staff. So, But we're really fortunate, whether it's the expat coaches like Adam Caporn and, and some of the guys in college like Brad Davidson and Aaron Fern, um, to some of those luminaries like Kerry Rupp and Mike Dunlap, they're all just so generous. And that's probably the exciting part of my job is it's not name dropping, but it's really cool to be able to reach out to those guys and say, hey, what do you think of this? How should we approach that? And very rarely do they not have an answer that, that makes a difference. So with all that said, obviously we we are pretty proud of the fact that we're always looking to improve Lono, like any good coach, and we're always looking forward to the, the next challenge and, and keep growing not only the game, but the opportunities as well. So from um, from your um, office down in Canberra, what's uh, coming up in 2023 for coaches that, that we can uh, let them know about today? Well, next week, starting on, on Monday, uh, you know, we have our uh, national performance uh, camp and we've got some invited coaches that will be on the floor. Plus, we've opened it up to some network coaches from the state and territory programs to come and observe. Um, you know, we, we're just about to, to launch a series of clinics around our Basketball Australia style of play so we can share some insights from, you know, the Women's World Cup and that hugely successful tournament. And then, of course, from the Boomers, so we're continuing to be at that cutting edge of, as a nation. Um, probably the big news from a coaching point of view is is the return of the National Coaches Conference in May. Um, we'll be looking to launch those dates and some information on that soon. Obviously, that has been hugely successful, the, the four that we've run, but um, you know the pandemic put paid to it for a couple of years. So we're in um, conversations with a, a leading international coach, a European coach, to to come out for that. Um, and that'll be held here at the, at the Centre of Excellence. So they're probably the big, big ticket items. And as you know, um, aspirationally, we try and get 40 clinics a year um, in the states and territories. And that's not all delivered by me or, or the coaches here, but we try and work collaboratively to make sure that we've pretty much got some sort of coach development event basically every week of the year. So I think the the most commonly asked question that I get whenever I go anywhere or present something is when's the National Coaching Conference coming back? When are we, when are we going to be able to do something like that again? And I think that will be uh, fantastic. I've only seen the videos, obviously, of the of the previous sessions, but I think that's something to look forward to. And I guess from the more community aspect of um, coaching, we've definitely got some exciting stuff coming up as well. There's plans for us to be able to support some grassroots coaches with with an app as well to help them plan their training and all of that feeding into the the national kind of um, coaching philosophy and the and the basketball Australia way that we've talked about, and then. It's also an exciting pilot that we're currently um, going 
going through a bit of a planning and preparation stage for around mentoring, which I know that coincidentally I was watching one of the old um, videos from a national coaching conference, Lono, the other day, where you had a panel of uh, four female coaches and you actually asked Carrie Graff about how important mentoring was for her and how important it was for the, the grassroots level. So that's something that, that we're looking at to see if we can um, provide some support and structure and, and a pilot sense to, to hopefully get that started in a way that um, can add some value to some community coaches going forward. Um, yeah, it's um, it's exciting right across the board. I think the one thing that we do at BA without um, blowing our own trumpet too much is, is there's genuine opportunities and development and education at every level from the person walking in the door just want to help their six or seven year old son or daughter right through to our Olympic coaches. So, and you do such a great job in that area. Lionel, we've talked a couple of times now about um, things that we've got messages that we want kind of to get out nationally at every level, I suppose. What are, as someone that goes to not only all the AJC events, but sees the, the top level as well as your own kids playing at the grassroots level, what are some of the trends in the game in Australia you're seeing that you think are important from a coaching point of view, both positively and negatively, I suppose? Yeah, well, I think um, from a positive point of view, um, and I say this all the time, basketball coaching is in a good space because it's more about the players than it's ever been. Uh, I think, you know, um, at times basketball can become a coach's game that we kindly allow the players to be involved in, uh, and that's not much fun for anyone. Um, I think I think now it's genuinely a player's game that the coaches guide, help, and and help, you know, develop players. So that, that's been really good. Um, you know, our, our colleagues such as, uh, you know, uh, Rob Coulter and that in terms of espousing um, better methods, you know, uh, small-sided games, um, you know, more games approach to to coaching and player development has been really positive. And I think that's something that's improved the way we collectively coach young players. So that's been a positive. Uh, on deck, I think it's the, the skills of the players uh, and their creativity is, is at a pretty high level offensively. You know, some of the things that, that even, you know, 11 and 12 year old players can do with the ball. You know, sometimes we as dinosaurs like to espouse that it's not as good as back in our day. Well, the reality is it's far better. Um, so, uh, and I think, um, so they're the positives. You know, one of the areas that we really have honed in on recently, and, and it's a bit of a byproduct of, of the mass interruption to basketball and development from COVID is on the defensive side of the ball. And it's, you know, we term, use the term defensive literacy. You know, can kids get in a stance? What do they do with their hands? Can they guard the first two bounces? Can they close out? Can they jump to the ball? None of that sounds sexy, um, but, you know, they're the things that we're trying to to improve a little bit because whether it's a byproduct of, of not much basketball, interruption to training environments, that's been probably the area that, that we need to tweak a little bit. I think that's the one of the main things that, I've always taken out of any time that you 
speak to coaches, whether it's the, the high performance level or whether it's at clinics, where which is a bit more of a kind of pick and mix coaches, is that one of the messages that you always come back to that I think potentially can go in one ear and out the other of some coaches because of perhaps what their motivation for being at that location is that basics matter from the boomers and the opals down to the, the under 12 kids like you can never lose sight of the fact that something simple as getting in the stance and, and closing out is is something that you should always have like a fundamental focus on in your coaching is that is that fair that sometimes that can get lost in a search for the the bright shiny new toy or the sexy kind of play or action oh yeah for sure and, and it's not it's not sinister it's not as if coaches say oh, i don't care about that stuff but we also are human beings so you know if you roll out and say to the guys right we're going to do some defensive stance and footwork drills or we're going to do some closeout drills you know you get the collective eye roll and, and the coaches are human beings they feel that so they go oh well let's get to the fun stuff you know um and that's where being creative and incorporating it, it's like you know mike mike k from canada who's my colleague and counterpart in canada always talks about the importance of hiding the vegetables in the in the spaghetti sauce and it's it's the same you know so you've got to impact those things like footwork stance hand positioning close out containment you've got to put them in drills where it is fun it is game like but they're they're still getting their veggies so um i think that i always when he first said it i thought yeah that's brilliant it's a brilliant way to encapsulate how to i guess be a bit sneaky and make sure that they're they're doing their ABCs as, as well as everything else. Exactly. It's like teaching teaching a kid to write. You get them to write about something that they're passionate about and they're more likely to do it. Um, Lionel, what are some of the, the challenges that you see for coaches in Australia at the minute? Both, again, can be on the court and it can be the kind of um, off the court challenges that although we'll be familiar with, in some cases, they're they're only um increasing year on year yeah well time's obviously the big one and, and when i say time i don't mean that you know we need to find a way for coaches to to have their players 20 hours a week and and daily access and all those things because our society is a little bit different you know we, we're not a, a predominantly high school or school based sporting environment it's it's association and club based and and our players in the youth level in particular they might play for their school. They'll play for a, a local local club, which is really the the heartbeat of, of basketball in Australia. Then they'll play with their association rep team, and then they might be in a a state or territory development program. And who knows, they might be in a state team. So I think I've just ripped off seven levels, um, which means that you know the best 14, 15 year old player in the country has probably got six or seven coaches, which they all respect. Um, they all get something from, but on the other side of it, they're just bombarded with so many messages and, and that it's not always consistent. So I think time and, and the fact and just the opportunity to invest um, in simple concepts with a consistent group of players is always going to be our, our challenge. It's not a, I don't say it's a massive negative, it's just a, it's just a challenge. Um, and I think the other thing which is okay how much practice are we doing in relation to games you know um 
you know, games, local competition, door fees. That's the, the lifeblood of association and club basketball. Um, but, you know, some kids are paying five and six games a week. So it doesn't leave much time for practice, skill development, individual instruction, um, let alone other sports where we know that that's an advantage too for, you know, adolescents to be playing other sports. So I guess all of that's wrapped up in time, which is if you've got a solution to that, you know, this um, this podcast will go platinum. <laughs> is there just a kind of question without notice? Is there something that you see over the last, let's say, 10 years from the players, both male and female, that are coming in to the COE, something that the kids now do better than the kids 10 years ago and something that they potentially do worse in terms of a, a skill? I think one of the areas that, that we notice with players coming in, in here to the, to the COE is, is creativity. Um, I think the fact now that we, um, you know, use more, more small-sided games, you know, I use the term games of purpose, games approach, game sense. We do more things in our practice at all levels that look like basketball. Um, so kids come in here and, and they, they've got a good level of creativity. You know, they can create for themselves. They can create for others. They understand different ways to execute different skills, you know, whether that's, um, you know, now runners and floaters as opposed to a pull-up jump shot, whether it's the use of the Euro step. They, kids come in and they can naturally do it 10 years ago. Um, you know, there was Manu Ginobili and two others globally that did the Euro step. Now, you know, if you haven't got a Euro step or a step back and you're 14 years old, you're going to struggle to struggle to play. So I think creativity has been really positive. I'm not sure if, if this one's got worse, but it's certainly stayed the same and there hasn't been the in, in, uh, improvements that we would like. And that's shooting. You know, if you look at data, from AJCs, even our junior national teams, we haven't been able to move the needle with, with shooting, um, you know, and and it's so again, I'm not sure it's got worse, but it certainly hasn't improved. So in essence, it has got worse because you know as as others improve and you stay the same, and um, yeah, that that's the million dollar question again. You know, how can we impact shot technique, consistency, form? all those things and you know here at the coe you know the, the kids have got to get two and a half thousand shots up outside of team practice each week um you know and, and david herbert's just spent a lot of time doing an eight-week intensive program where kids were doing shot clinic four times a week to try and impact it as much as we can so that that, that would be probably the big area if, if anyone's got any magic wand or or solutions um yeah uh, my phone's my phone's ready to go. What's the what's the timeline on two and a half thousand shots, Lono? How how long does it take to get two and a half thousand shots up? Um, it's not a not as long as as you would think. Um, you know, the, the great thing here they've got access to the courts. You know, pretty much all day, yeah. every day. Um, so often they'll they'll do some pre practice shooting. You know, the the kids here are, are you know very conscientious. So they might come in prior to practice and just in a in pairs get a couple hundred up each. Uh, they might stay after, and then there's sessions where they come in just to do their their bulk shooting. It's not it's not coach driven. It's athlete driven. Um, so they do it do it pretty comfortably. Um, 
and some will say it's it's not enough you know but there's a reality of going to school and study and and you know life in general but yeah they, they do it pretty comfortably and and that that's six days a week as we try and the coaches do a great job on in, in managing their well-being and their load try and give them sunday off as much as they can so we talked about um you being involved with with fiba at presenting levels and and traveling around the world um to see what is along with soccer the global game um where do you reckon in your opinion australia sits for players and coaches in the global game well you know if you look at at, at rankings you know i think we're ranked overall third in in, in the world and you know, that's done from a series of, of points systems across our senior national teams and our junior national teams. Um, but look, at if you look at it at the moment, you know, we've got, I think, nine players in the NBA, um, you know, uh, six of which came through here, the Centre of Excellence or the NBA Global. Um, I know that I get a lot of emails asking how we do our player and coach development. So I think, you know, the the framework put in place by you know people like Lindsay and 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 Patrick and, and Adrian Hurley uh, over a long period of time has put us in the top echelon of nations in terms of development infrastructure and how we go go about it. Um, and sometimes we we you know they as they say comparison is is the thief of joy. Sometimes we get caught in in comparing, and and but what we do is we compare, um, you know, a 16-year-old point guard here to Luka Luka Doncic, and go, oh, maybe we're behind the mark. Well, the reality is that's not a fair, or or you know, that's apples and pomegranates, you know. So, but our our best players are comparable to to anyone in the world. Our best coaches are comparable to anyone in the world. And you only have to look around the the various leagues. You know, Coach Gorgian just went to seven games in in the PBA, played a game seven in front of fifty thousand people. Um, so yeah, we're certainly more than comparable. And um, you know, people around the world um, want to know how we go about it, which is is always a great compliment. Lionel, our last question that we ask everyone on and. As someone that, even though you're very humble about dropping names, and I'm sure you've had the opportunity to to ask some amazing coaches in the world uh, questions, but if there was one in the world that you haven't asked a question in any sport with us or or passed on, who would the coach be, and what would the question be? Well, anyone that's been around me for more than two minutes knows I'm a passionate University of North Carolina fan. Um, some would say um, fanatic. Uh, so mine would be Roy Williams. Um, and the question would be how how did he take the Carolina way, which was put in place by Dean Smith, and make it contemporary for the modern player? You know, so it was a system and a style of play and a philosophy put in place in the 60s. Uh, and he was still able to have success with pretty much the exact same system and the exact same culture um you know right up to when he retired so it'd be coach williams and it'd be about it'd be about the the carolina way and the culture of that program awesome lono thank you so much um for your time today and um i'm sure 
will see you around the world at the various uh, tournaments and especially around Australia. The We've got the 20s coming up in Geelong, which I know you'll be at, and then the, the clinics that you've talked about, uh, if not um, the National Coaches Conference. So on behalf of myself, thank you for all the support that you give me developing coaching in uh, basketball in Australia. And um, thank you on behalf of all the listeners as well for all the hard work you do for um, basketball and the game and coaching in general. Too easy.